Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN, it is episode 53, season 4 of the Ray and Riggs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. ESPN's John Butchergrass is calling the NCAA Frozen Four. Friend of the show and close friend of yours, Ray Ferraro, will stop by to tee it up. And I, you know, I kind of kicked myself, obviously, in the world that we occupy, the hockey world, we pay attention, maybe not close attention to what's going on in the NCAA. I mean, there's enough going on in the NHL and the other feeder systems and what. But when you get down to where the bracket is now, the semifinals and then the national championship on the weekend of the Frozen Four, it's like the world starts paying close attention, right? So to me, it's 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 one of the better hockey events on an annual basis because you get to see the camaraderie and the true investment from all of these players on national and international stage. Well, it, I I think tournament hockey's the best. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's yeah. it's the best of the sport because everything is focused in one area. There's no travel. You don't have to think about all the other variables, whether you're watching or producing it for TV or playing or, you know, for the fans to come, they just have to go to one place. And mm-hmm. it's in, you know, it's the same theory. I mean, there's major junior hockey that goes on all year long and the world junior tournament is a different thing. The Memorial yeah. cup is a different thing because the tournament is in one spot. And, you know, for the frozen four, I, I like the fact that they've, they found a way to, to engage bigger buildings in bigger venues that can hold the tournament. The trick is that, you know, the regionals happen and then there's not much time before the frozen four. And so people that might otherwise go aren't going to be able to, because you got to turn the trip around and it's costly and such, but I, the games are awesome. The emotion of them and the, the importance of them to the players and, and the supporters is, is really evident. Butch, Butch, just loves it. You know, he does, he, he loves you know, getting to know the kids and hearing their stories. He's a big proponent of, of publicizing and getting out what some of these kids have done to get to the point that they're at. He just, he loves that stuff and really comes through in the way he calls the games. I, it'll be a good weekend in Tampa for sure. Yeah. John Butchergrass from ESPN will join us on the Rain Riggs podcast today. I could ask him about the sketchy Noki. I had on the weekend, but I don't want to drag the interview down. So maybe we'll just avoid that. But I, I send you a picture because you remember a couple of seasons ago, we got talking about Noki and I, I Yoki. honestly didn't really, yeah. whatever. Yo, well, what do you mean? Whatever. No, no. What, what, how Yoki. do I say it? Gnocchi. Gnocchi. There you go. Not Noki okay. or whatever you called okay. it. Okay. So anyway, Holly comes home from Costco with a big bag of skillet Gnocchi. <laughs> And I took a picture of it. I mean, it wasn't very good. I just, I'll be honest with you. I guess I shouldn't have expected it to be good. I was still kind of dealing with the lingering effects of the flu. So it wasn't on my food game, but I took the picture and sent it to you. And I mean, it was borderline disgust is how you responded to the picture. First of all, you probably had the sauce that Holly picked up two aisles over from the- No, there's no sauce. You just- you just oh. kind of fried around in a pan. It was, I don't know. Man. Well, what did I tell you? If my, if my Nona was still alive, <laughs> that would not have gone well for you. I, if I would have shown her that bag. Yeah. That's not gnocchi. That's <laughs> stuff in a bag. Like, yeah, I, I did. I know you sent it to me just the guy to like drive the yeah. edge in a bit. And, <laughs> and when it did, I'm like, are you kidding me? 
<laughs> this is what you're eating? Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I won't do it a second time. I can assure you of that. So again, we've got John Bujagras from ESPN on today's podcast. Let's uh, check out headlines today, Ray. And, you know, I thought we'd have some fun with the amount of goal scoring that we're seeing yes. in the National goals. Hockey League. We like season. goals. And the goal scoring line in terms of the length of that line of players that is scoring 30, 35, 40, 40 plus goals is remarkable to me. So 19 players as we record the podcast here on Tuesday between 35 and 40 goals. That's not including the 40-plus crowd. So I'm looking at guys like Carter Verhage, who has 40 goals. You know, Mark Trifley, we talked about him on Friday. You know, disappointing. He's got to get out of his funk. Play a little bit better now collectively, he and the Winnipeg Jets. But he's got 39 goals. You know, Andre Kuzmenko in Vancouver, 37. Jared McCann, Seattle, 37. Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes with 36. I mean... It's, it's just remarkable the amount of offense that we're seeing. Is it just the way the game has evolved over the last half dozen years or so? Oh, I, I think there's a whole bunch of factors in it. Uh, you know, we'll we'll start. We talk all the time about the skill of the players today. And yeah. the focus is on improving your skill, improving your way to, to score goals. You know, the kids that are coming up, they're, you know, the, the their focus is not a 200 foot player, their focus is how do I provide offense? How do I create? And so they're better at it than, than in bigger numbers than they've ever been. That's number one. Number two, power plays are off the charts. I want to, I want to say like they're averaging right around 21%. Yeah. Which is crazy. And the Oilers, I don't know. What, what are they at now? I, I don't know. They, they got eight, I don't know, 85 power. They had 90 power play goals. Like it's, it's crazy. So power plays are better. So that's, that's more offense. Yeah, um, the yeah. rules have made the game more accessible for offense. It's way easier to stand in front of the net than it used to be. Like that, that's not up for debate. Like the, it, right. it used to be. Yeah, you can't cross check and hack and slash and do. Well, it was all legalized the assault used to do. Yeah. in front of the net. Like it, if a defenseman took a cross checking penalty, somebody was hurt. Right, and and now yeah. that, like so you can get in there and fight for pucks. Now it's a good thing, but it makes mm-hmm. it harder to defend. One year, uh, the two that I got 40, one year, I want to say there was, there was a crazy number of guys that got 40 goals and career highs that year. And so I would caution to say like that this is the new norm because maybe it's one year, maybe it's a couple of years. I would suspect penalty killers change and start to figure out a new way to, to kill, to react to the way the power play has started to take over. It's always a, a give and take, a balance, an ebb and flow to it. So but it is, I like the goals are up over six. I think it's more entertaining. And it was cool to see last year that offense didn't dry up in the playoffs. Penalties were still being called. Power plays were still a factor. And I, and I, I think that's the way the game should be played. Yeah. Okay. So from goal scoring to goal tending, Andre Vasilevsky, first star for last week's efforts. I mean, two shutouts in three games. What was the save percentage? Like 990 yeah. last week? I mean, it was just ridiculous. So a friendly and healthy reminder, isn't it, that he can be and often is the ultimate difference maker. So all the woes that John Cooper and the Lightning seemed to go through a month or so ago, I mean, that's distant memory now, isn't it, based on the way this team is kind of finding its way? Well, it is, for sure. I mean, they've played their best hockey of late. It really feels like it's impossible for teams to say, it's time to get going, and then they get going. Yeah. But it kind of feels like Tampa did that. Did. 
And so if you look at the standings right now, I don't know if you have them in front of you. Um, mm, I was just going to check. Yeah. I, I want to say the Leafs have four more wins than, than Tampa. Okay. Take a, take a quick on. peek at that. And if you look at the NHL. Uh, yeah. So, no, Toronto, what'd you say? Four. Toronto is 45 wins. Tampa Bay is 45 wins. Uh, overtime, 10, 6. Uh, so they have the same, difference. they have the same yeah. number of wins now. Is that right? Yeah. I thought it was, yes. I thought there yeah. was a difference of a couple. So yeah. there is no difference between the teams, no matter, you know, 80 yeah. games takes you in different routes and paths and you end yeah. up at the end and it, and then you've got your point total. And so I don't know how anybody's a favorite. I don't know how anybody in this series would have the upper hand. I think Toronto is a really good team. I think they've got their best chance to be the Tampa team that's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. You bring up the one thing that can, man, throw a blender, you know, throw a knife in the blender as big as anybody. Like, yeah. Like that. What if, what if the Leafs score five goals in three games and Vasilevsky has a couple of shutouts in the other four games and a couple of 45 savers? It's all possible. It is a hundred percent plus. And when it gets yep. into the, as it gets deep into the series, this is crazy, but there's no pressure on Tampa. Well, Tampa's already been successful. The pressure is squarely going to fall to Toronto. And Vasilevsky's right. been in every big game that you could sign up for, and Samsonov has not. I yeah. mean, we don't know about Matt Murray or you know his, his status at this point, but his days of the big game goalie, those are five years ago. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about the Leafs goaltending because you bring it up. Samsonov will be the starter in the playoffs. You know, we'll see what happens after that. If Murray is longer term, and again, we're recording this Tuesday morning, so we'll learn more, you know, if not later today, then obviously at some point this week. If Murray is longer term, and now you're Samsonov, Joe Wall, are the Leafs in trouble at that point? How much pressure does that put on Ilya Samsonov? Well, I, I think the focus, whether it's Samsonov and Murray or Samsonov and Wall or... Samsonov and Samsonov, there's all kinds of pressure on their goaltending because nobody really knows how these guys will withstand a playoff run. Right. And and again, I mean, like you can say Matt Murray won two Stanley Cups, but it quite some time ago when his numbers over the last couple of years have not made you think that that hot streak run is is right around the corner. I think that yeah. if the Leafs have an extended playoff run, they'll use two goalies. Mm -hmm. Really do. I don't. I think they're one of the teams that you would say is not going to be a, you know, ride the one goalie and that's it. I don't think that's it. Joe Wall is really interesting because anytime he's played, he's played very well. What he if, did. yeah, what if games one and two don't go very great for Samsonov? Then what? I mean, yeah, there, there are enough, not many, but there are enough stories of goalies with very limited experience coming in the playoffs and having a really great run. Right. Or playing a couple of really great games, you know, from, of course, the, the gold standards, Ken Dryden in 1971. But, you know, I was a Bruins fan and out of nowhere came Mike Moffat. Yeah. And Mike Moffat was tremendous. <laughs> and who, I don't know, could Joel Wall be that? You know, I don't Maybe. know. It's a, it was a calculated but a risk for yeah. Toronto to sign the goaltenders they did. I think they've they've given them what 
what they could have hoped. Yeah. Now the playoffs are a different a different act, and the problem is you got a monster standing 190 feet away from it. <laughs> Uh, headlines with a bit of a Toronto Maple Leafs theme to it, only because of the business of the week, right? Michael Bunting was targeted on Sunday. And I don't mean that in terms of the officiating. Leaf Station believes that. I don't. You got the embellishment penalty on Sunday. He also then picked up a 10-minute misconduct penalty later for his antics. So is he an easy target because of the reputation or... Do the officials just get fed up with it and say, all right, well, now I'm I'm watching you, so I am going to find a penalty in the mayhem here. Well, when you say an easy target, you mean for the refs or for the other team? Uh, well, maybe both, but for the refs. Okay, well, I'll start with the other team. Anytime there's a scrum, one of the, one of the scouting points that teams will get is get yeah. a glove into this guy's face. Yeah. It's likely that he will not be able to control his emotion in that spot. Whether now maybe he'll do it eight times in a row and then the ninth time he'll flail back. But yeah. every time there's a scrum or a whistle, somebody's got to get a glove in his face. Yeah. Not much. Just give him a little, you know, a little face wash and then skate away. Yeah. Because eventually his history has shown that he's going to snap back. And it's really hard. I, I know because I was a multiplayer, like it's really hard to not be what you feel most comfortable playing in. So to say to him, right. just stop, a lot of times he, probably can't quite get to the stop button. Yeah. So that's the first part. There's always going to be a challenge until he shows that it's not a challenge, that he can just skate away from it most of the time. As far as the rest, again, from experience, you come in second place every time. If you're yeah. berating the refs demonstratively, like if you're waving your arms around and you're drawing attention to your argument, you're not going to win. Like there are a thousand penalties a game that the officials yeah. can call. And they, when, when you talk about, you know, they manage the game, they look at the influence of the penalty or the play on the current play. Mm -hmm. And I think they, the last couple of years, honestly, I love the way the game's been officiated. I really do. I yeah, think they do. I really think they've, they've kind of dialed this thing in. They've, they've got it in, in a good way. If there, if there's a, a split second decision to be made, he's not getting the benefit of the doubt. No. No. And so no. his job has to be to zip it and to play. And if he gets a penalty, just skate to the box. Yeah. You can say something on the way if you want, but keep your hands down by your side. Don't draw more attention to it. Just say your piece and get in the box. Everybody does it. Yeah. Like star players do it. Middle of the road players do it. But if you're, if you're consistently as he has shown up the ref, you're, you're drawing attention to yourself and that's never a good thing. Those are your headlines. Good stuff. Our interviews on Rand Regs this year brought to you by Canadian Club Whiskey, who are asking, are you over beer? Why not try a refreshing CC ginger ale next time you're having a drink or watching a game? Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out-of-home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net.
All right, pleased to be joined, uh, friend of the podcast, yeah, right? John Butchergrass from ESPN. He's um, is this your second crack at the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast, or is it the third? I, I, it's at least two, is it not? John? I don't. Re- I don't remember either if there were two. Was there one? Wow. Well, there was. There was there at was least one. one. Let's hope this one goes better. Okay. Ah, uh, and I think it was from your parents' home. Ah, uh, yeah. Time, to be it looks fair, like I'm, yeah, the, the hostage shed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're enjoying some uh, much-needed downtime, a day or two anyway, right? You're in Florida. Yep. Uh, the Frozen Four kicks up on Thursday in Tampa Bay with the semifinals. That's Minnesota and Boston, you, Michigan, and Quinnipiac. Uh, such an exciting tournament. And I know that it's one that's been near and dear to your heart, John, for so many years. Yeah, it's my 10th one. First time I experienced it was at my uh, – I worked in Providence, Rhode Island. I, my first job was on Cape Cod about five years, and I got a little break going to Providence, and it was a great two years while I was there. And in 95, that's where the Frozen Four was. Now it's only NHL arenas, NHL cities, but back then it, it wasn't quite at that height yet. And and I, so I went over to cover it for our local news, Channel 12, and I was just blown away by the, the pageantry, the doubleheader Thursday, bands, people walking around outside in Brian Smolinski, Michigan State sweaters. And uh, <laughs> with school's not even there. They're there. It's just kind of a pilgrimage they make yeah. every year. So, yeah. So then to be able to, you know, fast forward whenever that was, you know, 18 years later and get to call it. And now, so yeah, it, it's a it's a lot of fun. This one's a really good one this year. I always root for kind of three brand names and like a Cinderella, and that's what we got with B, BU mm-hmm. Minnesota and Quinnipiac in Michigan. So yeah, it, it's I think it's a it's a perfect spot and a great place to host a championship. South Florida, Tampa does a great job. They host Super Bowls and national championships and Stanley Cups, of course, when the Lightning make it. And now a uh, uh, Frozen Four for the third time. Yeah, and uh, third time in ten years, and my second time here already. Uh, how does the nice. How do the schools travel? How do the how do the fans travel? How do the or is it? It's not just yeah locals that come, right? It's like no, yeah, you, you get it's a, you certainly get like I said, people who come every year, no matter what. Some locals, and like you said, the schools and North. No one travels like North Dakota. They were here in 2016 in Tampa when they won it. That's the last time they won it. Brock Besser and Drake Kajula, and that was a Troy Stetcher, really good team. Schmaltz was on that team as well. And yeah, and they just took over the city. So no one travels like North Dakota. But I expect certainly with Michigan and Minnesota and BU, those those alums have money, so they can fly short notice and uh, and come on down. So I expect uh, you know, <laughs> Minnesota probably the strongest. My guess would be of the four. But yeah, you'll see pockets of colors throughout the arena. The bands um, will be here, and uh, and so yeah, it, it should be a should be a full a, a packed house. And um, should be pretty evenly distributed, I would think. It'll, it'll be curious. There's always someone who's a little louder than than the others, mm-hmm. and it'll be curious to see who who it is this mm-hmm. year. When you get the access, um, you guys uh, get access to the players. You have your sit downs yeah. coming up here. What's changed over the last half dozen years or so with the players, if if anything, really? Yeah. Um, well, they don't quite know who Barry Melrose is anymore. When I when I first started doing this with Barry back in two thousand five, <laughs> I did regionals for eight years. Uh, maybe seven years before I started doing the Frozen Four, just in the regionals. So that's, you know, he'd come in and it was like a rock star because those guys literally grew up with him. Then, of course, we lose the NHL in 04, and that's slowly, we start losing a generation of fan who watches the game on TV. And then um, and then Barry's only Sports Center, and, you know, young kids just don't watch Sports Center like we did. So, uh, so yeah, so the, it, 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 for, he went from being Elvis to Presley to maybe Elvis Casale. I don't know. Maybe that's one way to put it. So it's kind of funny. But the kids themselves, um, I, they're still great kids. You can tell they're raised right. 
and they're very polite and it's a great way to get to know them for sure. Now that when we got introduced to the NHL last year, it was great, you know, for me to walk into the arenas a lot, you know, the third of the league mm-hmm. played college. So it's nice that they already know me and they have this relate. Some of them have a relationship. And, and uh, so between that and growing up on social media with, with the different things I've done there, luckily I'm, you know, they come right up to me and they're, and, and they say hi, whether it's Austin Matthews or Justin Hall or mm-hmm. Cole Caulfield, they come right over. So it makes it much easier for me. And, it's been a great perk now that I'm covering the NHL again. But the, the kids are great. I love sitting down and talking. We'll do that uh, tomorrow. Five, about five or six kids and the coaches. It's great to know the coaches. Again, great to know the kids. Mm-hmm. You get a peek into their personality, which uh, which helps. Again, once they enter the league, I kind of have a, a database of who they are a little bit. So you're around the table. Do you have like a little thing, a chicken farm in the middle for the guy? <laughs> I know. I should, should. We should do that. We should, because uh, it, it gets hungry after team three and four coming. It's, it's an all-day thing, like 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock, so we get hungry. Such an impactful event, though, right? Um, from a world perspective here now, from a, you know, a hockey standpoint, clearly, uh, but no shortage of star power yep. in, in this week's semifinals. I mean, if you look at the Hobie Baker finalists, John, you've got Adam Fantilli from Michigan. You've got two Minnesota players and Logan Cooley and Matthew Nyes. I mean, talk about setting up. Uh, a, a tremendous mm-hmm. competitive atmosphere with both those semifinals. Yeah, they certainly obviously Fantilli won't be in the league until he gets drafted second this June. But the other, the other, yeah. the <laughs> other two will probably the other two will probably play next week, I would think. And yeah. um, there's more that will play next. There's over 40 draft picks uh, in this Frozen Four, so there's a lot of future NHL players that will be playing in this tournament. Like you said, it's uh, not quite best on best, but it has that flavor of an Olympics, of a World Cup. It's a hockey event of the World Juniors. You know, it just has that kind of pageantry and event and tradition, which gives it a lot of juice, some hockey juice. And um, certainly hope a lot of people watch on ESPN2 and up in, at TSN. I think it's TSN2 maybe as well. They have the, they have the floor. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just a good hockey environment with a lot of juice, a lot of electricity. These kids want to win it. You're a champion for life. That's what I love about this year's class and especially the high-end guys. You can tell they're all in. A lot of guys have one foot out the door. Um, I think we saw that with Harvard. You know, not, not a surprise. They got, you know, they got blown out of the building. And when you have one foot out the door, you're, mm. you're, it's, it's not going to work that way. And I, that's why I loved about Kel McCarr. I think Kel McCarr helped re-energize the commitment. You know, he was all in. He came back for a second year. First of all, didn't have to. And then while he was here and while he was at UMass that second year, he was he was all in. Lost in the championship game to Minnesota Duluth in Buffalo, but still he was all in. I like to see that with Cooley and Nyes and uh, and Fantilli. He seemed to be all in. He wants to be a Michigan man for life, being even though it's a short nine month. You know, I, I, I sometimes you know I went to college for four years and an alum and everything. These kids show up for about nine months and suddenly they're 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 a life, You know. <laughs> But uh, but if they get that degree, then that's fine. Then they, they deserve it. But um, so yeah. So I like how this group seems to be all in, and especially now now that you're mm-hmm. this far, you might as well give it a good four or five days, and then you're in the league next week. Okay. So of those guys in the league next week, um, of course, Fantelli, as you mentioned, won't won't be because right. he's got to wait to get drafted. Uh, Luke Hughes is, I assume, is yeah, is on his way to to New Jersey. Yep. We'll start there. What are what are the Devils getting with Luke Hughes aside from a player with Great bloodlines, and mm-hmm. by all accounts, just about every every piece of the game, pretty much NHL ready. Yeah, he could have played last year, I think, and ran the power play. He's mm-hmm. very slight, so going in the corners against some of these four checkers can be difficult. But you know, you know how those guys skate now—they turn around. He turns around, 
and he puts his back and he takes peaks and he can make moves. So he doesn't have to just plaster himself because he can figure angles and curves to, to avoid contact. It'll get it once in a while. He's a little bigger than his brother, Jack. So he'll, you know, he's little, but he's slight, but it was good to come back and gain some more weight and get stronger. But yeah, he can, he can, he could have ran the power play last year. He can run it now. He's a true savant and he's not quite, you know, Doug, Dougie Hamilton in terms of Dougie's really arrived as, a, as an offensive pro, 20 goals and powerful shots. Um, but in terms of running that power play, a left-handed shot, he'll be able to do it next week. He'll be an impactful guy next week. You'll notice him next week. It's He's an electric player and he'll only be better with better players. You know, that's the thing. These high-end guys are even better with better players, especially a guy like Hughes and Cooley, who are real creative, you know, uh, magicians with the puck. I thought Cooley should have went first last year. I would, I would, I think he's going to end up being the best guy in that top mm. five, and um, he's going to be electric as well, especially if he finds the right winger. Nice mm. is the perfect player for him. That's who Arizona needs yeah. to find a nice or you know so, someone <laughs> like him. And boards that certainly Cooley will can can turn into 20 goal scores that, that's what he can do okay so you bring up Matthew Nyes of course I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware there's a lot of uh, <laughs> uh fandom around the Toronto Maple here we League. go yes um, yeah so uh, should Nyes be the captain next week or should he wait <laughs> um a year uh, what, what what are we going to get from him I'm really interested in him because that you know the whole I don't know so much of the team, but of, of those that follow is that he can jump into a top six role. I think that's almost impossible, but maybe I'm way off. Just given the speed of the game at this time of year, it's different than coming in in October. Some people mm-hmm. think it's easier coming in now but, because they've had that full year and they're, you know, they're on a downhill sprint. Mm-hmm. And what, do, what do you think? You know him better than yeah. certainly than I do. Yeah. He, well, you know, He's he'll come in fresh because they haven't played a lot of games because they've had a lot of time off, especially the Big Ten. Uh, they don't play as many games as some of the other conferences, best two out of three and things like that. So he he can play fast. He's skilled down low. I think he can play in the top six. Like you said, does he gonna ha- is, does he have 100% defensive responsibility? And can you trust him that way? That's just something the coaches will probably need a couple games to look at. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of time. I'm sure they would have preferred a month not a week. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we're going to put it. So I would think that they would be careful, but you might as well do it though. Right. The last week of the season, that's the time to sure. do it. They're, they're locked in. So yeah. put them, if you want to, if you see them as a top six answer, they're, oh, they're very good. Top six, obviously very strong. I don't know why they, they wouldn't have to do that, but um, if they want to, just to give it a shot, they, they certainly, they certainly can, mm-hmm. but yeah, he will be a high impact guy. Obviously I think he is amongst, the bet, you know, he, I think he'll play on the team in, in the playoffs. I think he's that good as long as he's not over his head defensively, and that that's something that Sheldon Keith has to look at quickly and, and digest quickly. I don't know, and I'm sure again, Dubas went to the regionals last year. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he went again this year, so he's seen him in person, and I'm sure he can see parts of his game from his own eye. That okay, yeah, he can do this. I'm sure he's already formed that opinion. Is my guess, but yeah, then you put him with people in practice, mm-hmm. and then put him in a game and see how it goes. Would he be considered like a modern day? power forward yeah I, yes that's a good way to put it because he's not like when we grew up it's cam neely coming down the wing powdering slap shots but here you take you take the puck i'll just go to the net craig janney and then you find me you know right. neely didn't want the puck nice will probably want the puck down low like around that he can make those really cool james van reemsdyke moves he, he kind of he, he's mm-hmm. he's a more like cause I remember when he played in new hampshire and you could just see him around the net and he wasn't he mm. wasn't as quick and fast as he became. It was a little bit slower, and that's the same with, with Nyes. And Nyes is already pretty quick and 
magic like around the net, those little mm-hmm. tight little moves, which which why I think he can play around the cage with good players because he'll get rebounds. They'll find him on those short mm-hmm. passes if he knows how to open up and, and get the shooting in the shooting position so he can finish quickly, which he'll have to do, obviously, at the next level. That's something he probably hasn't had to do at this level. He can just get it, make a move, make a half 360, 180, fake, boom, boom. This is a little different. So that, that those are the things that you won't see until you put him in there. Does he open up quickly? Is he too close? Does he back up enough to get himself a shooting position so he can pick a corner? Like those are little things, as you mentioned, Ray, playing fast. Not so he can play fast. He's as fast as anybody. He'll be one of the faster guys, but can his brain play with his feet at that level at the most important time of the year? Like the high-end guys take all the oxygen, right? Like everybody's yep. looking at them. The last couple of weeks have all been about, for the NHL, team loses. Um they have these college free agents, and it's a swarm on these kids. <laughs> and they're all looking for which team has got a path that I could sign and maybe get games right away or yeah. burn a year. year but also, right. is there a road for me there? Like, if I'm a centerman, I don't know yeah. that I'm really excited to sign with the Edmonton Oilers right now. Right. Because right. there seems to be a roadblock for the next forever in front of me yep. there. So who are the who are some of the guys, Booch, if you can, um, that have signed college free agents that have signed and jumped to whether it's an American League team already or to the NHL for a couple of quick games that that you might think have a real chance? Yeah, Hunter McCown was probably the highest end skill guy who was available, right? Mm-hmm. He ends up signing with Columbus, probably got a wink wink. You'll play this year and you'll play next year. Like we I'll pro- you're gonna play mm-hmm. this many games. I'm gonna give you twenty next year, fifteen, ten, right? And, and and that's important. Someone like him, that gives him a chance. Okay, you give me the rest of this year, and then give me a good, give me the full summer, getting the workout, training camp, and give me give me a good twenty five percent of the season next year. And that's a great way. That's a good bargaining chip to have because they're cheap labor. Obviously, if, if you mess up a draft, you can kind of make up for it. A lot of these guys are organization or organizational depth guys. In the end, there's a mythology around them. It's kind of like the minor league baseball player when we were kids, Ray. And oh, who's this team? Who's this guy? The Red Sox are going to call up because you don't see him play. Especially back then, there was no video. It was just stats and the sporting news. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh boy, that guy hit 29 homers and. Pawtucket. I wonder if he can do that at Fenway, you know? And so there is some mythology with some of these players as well, because there's not a lot of video. The video isn't always the best quality. I mean, Jason Poland led the country in goals, but he's probably a bot- bottom six, knows what's important, uh, depth guy who can also be an AHL leader, right? In American leagues that you can bring him along. Um, he's already, these guys are already approaching their early to mid twenties. So they can, and they can make a good living doing that and be a hockey guy for life. And so he picked Colorado, right? Cause, uh, cause that, 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 that's a team that'll always be fishing for cheap bottom six guys. Right. And you can really yeah. make your mark. Then you make your mark in the league and then you might pop in suddenly get 18, 20 goals. Then you're UFA because you're a certain age and mm-hmm. now maybe I can sign a four year, $12 million deal. I bet it's perfect. For, you know, and then, then it's all, all that hard work paid off. But like you said, right place, right time, right situation, right line mates, get a good year or two. And then boom, you can cash that in. But most of them, you know, it's not going to work out. It, it's a depth position. And, um, you know, Ryan McAllister left Western early again, a, a kind of a high end guy, but you know, Body wise, that's one reason why these guys are available because, mm. you know, they're, they're, they don't have elite bodies in terms of strength when they were 18, 19. And it takes time to build it up. Great heads, good sticks. But, mm. you know, can will they have the physical body to make it work at the next level? And that that would be the question, you know, with him going forward is uh, can that happen? And, you know, I mean, we had 
about you know we, back when when uh, Michigan State was in the tournament, we had their regional, and Tory Krug was the free agent who everybody wanted, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. and he obviously he's turned into a nice career, almost won the Stanley Cup, um, made a lot of money, and so that's you know you get lucky with a guy like that, and mm-hmm. it then that's worth it because like you said that that that's a, that makes up for a draft or and the thing is too these kids like to play in big cities like they're not going to go play in some cities they do want to play in new york live in chicago live in boston so that's part of their decision too is where to live uh the last thing i'll, I'll like for me right now is you, you have this because of when, where you went you grew up and you went to college and the columbus blue jackets have a a warm place in the bougie <laughs> heart <laughs> <laughs> What would Connor Bedard mean to the Columbus Blue Jackets? Like right now, they they were yeah. so close to being a good team, and then they just got the chair kicked out from under them, and they got to start over again. And you know, yep. like is what you see. I worry about Bedard that the the hype around him is unfair to Connor. That you know, people yeah, are like, is no, he Connor okay. McDavid? Yeah, well, agreed. Nobody's Connor McDavid. It, he's just not right. So. Right. What what do you what do you what does that mean? What would that mean in Columbus? Because they've done a nice job of getting themselves right into the mix of it. Yeah, yes, they have. I, it'd be because of the hype, as you mentioned. It'd be the biggest moment in franchise history, literally to date. You know, obviously they they worked hard to get Rick Nash, and that ended up being a very good move. You're talking about a borderline Hall of Fame player might still get that look as time goes on. He scored goals and it was hard to score goals. Freak athlete. My goodness, his highlight, the most underrated highlight package of goals, I think in NHL history, like this sick, like Dominique Wilkins with dunking. Rick Nash was to some of these goals he scored with the reach and the length and everything. So, and and he's turned into be a pillar, got his number retired. He's, he's there. So Rick Nash is still the dude, but, but because of the hype around Bedard, and then to put him with Gaudreau, he'd probably score forty goals next year playing with Gaudreau. You know, he's—I think that's what why he's—he's not—he's not, he's not uh, Connor McDavid, but he's a goal scorer. He's going to come in and score goals right away. There's no doubt in my mind he will score goals at the next level, and that's the greatest skill to have. And so that's why that's the can't miss part of him. Now, is he going to get fifty sixty? Is he going to be a thirty five forty guy? We don't we don't know. Like you said, but he seems like so. It would be I think it would really be on the heels of Gaudreau. I think the fan base is smart enough to realize. Because you know Zborensky is back, and and obviously put him with Gaudreau, and then it becomes a, a pretty de- and Boone Jenner's an underrated pro as well. He slots in the proper position. Suddenly they got a team who can you know maybe contend for the playoffs next year. I didn't think they were a playoff team this year, even fully healthy. So that tells you they got a little little room to grow. But yeah, it, it would be a big moment. It's fun to do it on Twitter. It's kind of a bit now with doing different gifts whenever they lose or whether they win, ruining their best chances. But it's fun and, and, and people seem to like it. And so it's, it's, uh, it's fun to, to, to dream. And that's what's about the draft. The draft's about dreams. And, and what, if we get this guy, what would that look like? And that's a, a great part of sport. All right. This is very fitting because we know John Butchergrass, you know, he likes the finer things in life, right? Sure. Nice meal. Uh, maybe a glass of whiskey, scotch on occasion. He's big in that. He's big in that. He is. So he would love the Chronicle series. From our friends at Canadian Club Whiskey, final Chronicle yes. series, right? You should share that forty-five-year-old. He would, he would really everywhere. appreciate the the taste of it too. He really he would. would. Yeah, he's a very simple guy. I'll tell you, like for him, a big meal is a steak and well, nothing else on the plate. Yeah, I meant to ask him by the way about the. I don't know. I'm sure you caught it. Uh, he asked a question. He eats a steak every day, right? Is that accurate? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, much every day. 
a ribeye, I think it is. He um, loves his ribeyes, yep. Yeah. But it was a couple of weeks ago he decided, eh, maybe I'm going to throw some cheese on there. And not, you know, on occasion you can get a blue cheese crumble or something like that, which I don't approve of. But I think he blue cheese is the worst food on the planet. <laughs> I don't know what that was. It, it like did he just grab a hunk of mozzarella? Probably. <laughs> yeah. So his cheese intake and his like we'll be you know I traveled on the road with him last yeah. year in the finals. I'm like, how much cheese do you eat? Like I couldn't believe it. Like, he he will literally hack off a chunk of cheddar. Yeah. And like just eat it and eat it. I'm like, well, won't you put it wow. with something or? Yeah. yeah, good for him. Anyway, thanks to John for joining us on the Rain Dregs podcast. Looking forward to the Frozen Four semifinals on Thursday, the championship game Saturday on ESPN and on TSN. The Masters this weekend, Ray. This is my annual I Hate James Duffy week, by the way. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and he just flaunts it, right? It's all over social media. It's not just that we can see him on TSN doing you know, his, his, his coverage and everything from Augusta and all that, but he just rubs it in. So we'd hope to have Chris Abbott join us, but you know what? Chris has earned a vacation, so he's away at least for a good part of this week. So we'll see if he rejoins on Thursday. If not, that's fine. We can talk about the Masters today. We can talk about the Masters going into the weekend, uh, courtesy of Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. And remember, the game starts now, says Batano. So just quickly went through the line for Masters favorites going into the weekend. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but McElroy is uh, at plus 700 right now, I um, along with Scotty Scheffler. I, I'm a bit surprised that Rory, even though, look, how do you, you, you don't, betting against Rory McElroy is probably not wise. But Scotty Scheffler is just clutch. I mean, there is nobody hotter in the game than Scotty Scheffler. So I was a bit surprised that those two uh, lead the pack at plus 700. What about you? You think Scheffler should have a bit more of an edge there? Well, I mean, there's always always emotion to it. Yeah. Like when the lines are set and, you know, they're trying to, you know, they try to balance out the lines and people will jump to McElroy. I don't think Scheffler gets you know from unless you're really following i don't think people understand like this run that he's on is like it's remarkable i'm looking down the list though yeah there are two names that i don't know why i I focused right in they're both the same odds plus 3900 victor Um, hovland victor hovland and will zalatoris interesting i wrote them both down myself i just i really i don't know why i don't know why that would jump out but I, I think they're good players. I think they're quality people, players that Hovland's really good and he's going to break through. I am a Xander Shoffley guy yeah. and uh, always, always think he's pretty good. I, now, but I'm looking at, I don't even think, no, he might not even be here. Oh, you know what you can bet on too? First round leader. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's, <laughs> there's Shoffley. He's 2,400. Yeah. I am going to pull. First round leader, I am going to pull. Let me just give this a little thought here. I'm going to say Colin Morikawa. Oh, I'll take both those guys. Plus 2,900 opening round lead. Uh, Again, that's believable. You know, this is, oh boy. Okay. 
like Brandon it. DeChambeau plus oh Bryson twelve th- uh, Bryson yeah uh, plus twelve thousand four hundred. <laughs> that just yeah, seems no fitting, thanks. doesn't it? No, no, no. We'll stay away from that one. All right. Well, we'll revisit on. Uh, oh, do you want? Well, you could you could put a dollar down. Tigers at ninety nine hundred. Tiger. Yeah. I Somebody don't think will I'm bet on it. With that. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Spieth plus seventeen hundred. It's not terrible. Not a terrible. Don't, don't bet. think he has it. Okay. Well, I'm. I look at that and I'm like, how would you? Yeah, like there's so many players that you could say, yeah, they could do it. They, I know, I know. And that's know. that's what's about this tournament. That you know, you, Joe Schmo that from the Palumbo Open isn't in this thing, right? Like, but uh, you do have to look. You have to look at the at the pedigree and the history of the player when you're looking at the Masters. That's why I throw Jordan Spieth out there at plus seventeen. I, I, I would not. I'm I'm a Spieth fan. I like yeah. his. I yeah. like that he's all over the place a little bit. I like that yeah. he's emotional a little yeah. bit. I, I really like watching him play. All right, man. You are in Los Angeles. Big um, game tonight. Kings and Oilers. It's always a good one. And how about, given that Pacific division, you know, Vegas is losing last night late. They score late. <clears throat> yeah. Win it in the shootout. And now they got three-point lead again. And you're running out of runway. And they're, you know, they're playing uh, whack-a-mole and goal. And, you know, like who, whoever's <laughs> upright gets in there tonight and uh, they've, they've really done a, done an amazing job. Such a fun time of year though. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, and, and as much as we belly ached and I mean, media or some fans about the West and, you know, how uninteresting it was at times. It's, no, it's, it's, it's going to be a fight to the finish. And as much as I admire what the Boston Bruins have done wire to wire this year, and I look at Toronto and Tampa Bay and some of the great teams in the East, man, these Western teams are going to be hungry when the playoffs roll around. So I think we're in for a heck of a you know what? You know what's a real key? Last year, Colorado swept two series. Yeah. If, if a team can get out of series quick, yeah, healthy, rest, yeah, yeah. I mean, that – that might go a long way. So it's something to keep an eye on as we're looking at teams as we roll on through the playoffs. So I've got a kitchen renovation that's stalled right now for the podcast. And the contractor just walked by the office and gave me the stink eye as if to say, all right, you got to wrap that up because we've got to start cracking tiles here and making noise. So. Oh, get it going. Yes, that means we got to wrap you, it up. Right? Okay, if he's doing that to you, you stand in the kitchen door and start giving him the eye. Get moving. Yeah, let's chop, go. chop. Another coffee break. Get going. Yeah, well, because that'll work well. They they it, really respect it. Yeah, Dan, the contractor told me this was going to be a three week renovation. Right, pretty simple. Okay. Um, then yesterday, his son Vinny, who works with him, says, "Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't be longer than four four and a half weeks." Oh, okay. Hold Uh-oh. on a minute here. Like, the, the, like, uh, there have been no speed bumps, right? Like, we have not hit any hurdles yet. Inevitably, there will be a hurdle, but all of a of sudden, course. we lost a week and a half, and the thing is just barely started. Yeah, and then you're slowing them down right now. Zip it up, yeah, wrap it I up. Know. Let's, Let's go. get to work. All right, buddy. Have a good week, and we'll uh, check back on Thursday. Talk on Thursday. Thanks for listening, everyone. Big shout out to our partners who make the pod possible, our title sponsor and good friends at Canadian Club Whiskey who ask, are you over beer? Thank you. Botano.ca, it's available now in Ontario. Remember, the game starts now, Botano. And by doer, use code 
RND pants, and you will save 15% off everything at doer.ca. That is episode 53 of the Rain Dregs podcast. Until Thursday, get ready for the Masters. Stay safe, everybody.